Happy Tuesday, diary listeners. So cool. And happy new year. And I don't know if we're still saying that, but I am. I'm excited about this new year. 2024 is going to be miraculous. And with it, I get to give you all Nick Baxter. This is so cool. And we're dubbing this diary entry of his DIY punk rock vibes. So listen in and find out why. <laughs> Welcome to the Apprenticeship Diaries, where raw meets refined. Let's be real, we're still working on refined. <laughs> what it took, what it takes, and the stories that are made. Join us as we learn from professionals about how their stories begin. Wonderful. All right, diary listeners, this is an awesome day. I'm here with Nick Baxter of Art Realm Tattoo in Austin, Texas. Welcome, Nick. Thanks for having me. Appreciate oh, it. Dude, thanks for coming. I mean, it's kind of uh I have to I have to admit something right off the top. Um, for a long time in my career, because my beginning kind of overlapped with you know you as a thing, because you've been doing this a lot longer than me. I think you have about 10 years on me in the, in the profession. So when I first started, I was told that I should give a shit about knowing you. And I can honestly say that in Mm -hmm. the beginning, I didn't, I was just, well, Well, and I, I think it has led to a lot of cool um, moments with you that had I given a shit about it, wouldn't have probably happened. Uh, yeah, it just would have been not. It it just would have been a different vibe. <laughs> you know, yeah. not as good. There's too much pretense in that. Yeah, I I do care now because now I will say that after experiencing you for many years, like I first you know realized you were an entity that people cared about in <laughs> 2011. After watching you over that time, I've grown quite a bit of respect for just the person you are. Like you are very dedicated to the things that you do. And I've seen a consistency of your your person, your character, your passion over time. And one thing that I really love about you is that you love to teach and share information. And so that makes me want to know more. So <laughs> yeah. now I care. Well, thank you. Appreciate yeah, it. Man. <laughs> well, and, and I know a lot of other people do too. So this is a really cool uh, time with you. Um, so, you know, I guess I'll start out. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong. There's a lot of information out there already, but you've been tattooing now for about like 25 years. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. Been, I'm, I'm, I'm in year 25, about to hit year 26. So it's it's been a minute. Dude, that's awesome. So um, what were, I know you're also uh, a student of the arts as well. Uh, Can you talk about a little bit of what life was like before tattooing and kind of what led you in? Yeah, sure. Um, My parents, as a child, my parents always encouraged art and creativity on myself and my sister. And um, my mom would sign us up for like parks and recreation, like um, pottery classes and stuff for little kids. So those were always great experiences, like very positive, um, memories for me. And that always encouraged me towards 
um, creativity, working with my hands, making things. Um, so by the time I got to like junior high and high school, I was obsessed with drawing and was trying to learn painting and um, considered myself a creative artistic person that was sort of like forming into my identity, I guess, as a person. And um, because it was always encouraged. And so that was kind of the backdrop before getting obsessed with tattoos in my teen years was I was just already obsessed with art and wanted to figure out a way to be an artist, like as an adult, as a, as a profession. Very cool. We had and a then, similar background. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. And then, um, from, from high school, I went straight to art college. And so I, I had done a few semesters there learning like classical fundamentals of art uh, and, and design, um, for like a year and a half before I finally got an apprenticeship. So that's that completes the whole backstory what were you um were you pursuing a particular type of art in college or was it just a general investment in like art classes um I was a graphic design major um but quickly learned how obsessed I was I was going to be with painting <laughs> so had I stuck to art college and not dropped out after three semesters I probably would have changed my major to painting because when I started to take those introduction classes as a freshman to oil painting and like classical realism, I just really took to it. It just like spoke to me and I was like excelling at it, like more than a freshman would be, you know? So, um, yeah, I just learned that that was like more of a passion than I guess like graphic design all, although I still love design, but yeah, the painting is what, what I guess what spoke to me on a deeper level. Do you think, cause I was, uh, I went to art school too. I dropped out. Um, I mm -hmm. didn't finish, but, uh, for me, uh, the, the allure of, um, tattooing even above what I was pursuing, which was illustration was that I, I, I could individually, you know, attack people's concepts and, and the freedom of conceptual exploration was there with that kind of uh, pursuit. Whereas if I had worked in graphic design or any kind of thing where I might, I don't, I don't wanna say it like deduce to, but having to work for a corporation or some company where I feel like my work would have been stripped down and made kitsch. And, you know, I, I just, I really wasn't liking that framework as I was going more and more into like, you know, learning the professionalism of of the job. I was like, this is, this is not artful. <laughs> yeah, the expression is lacking. Mm -hmm. You know, it's more, um, it's more utility. It, it needs to serve an economic purpose. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like it's a, uh, it's really, um, it's to serve an economic purpose, but it's also like, um, doesn't explore the vastness of the human emotional spectrum of what we are capable of and what really like speaks to us. Uh, and I think that that's what it always drew me to art was um, this emotional space where I could go to and kind of heal and, you know, for myself really explore ideas that were deep and meaningful and, and kind of come out on the other side, a better person having like, you know, kind of delved into those places. And it's funny to me when I meet people who are like, I don't really consider myself an artist. And I'm like, oh, 
you're a creative. I, you probably don't see yourself that way, but I'm yeah. sure you are. <laughs> yeah, it's a mentality as well as your hands actually making something. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. No, and it's it's so funny because my mom, we're about, I think we're the same age, which is weird because you have like a continual baby face. <laughs> Man, <laughs> I'm old on the inside. <laughs> same, same. I mean, the, the pain that I feel uh, is, uh, you know, acute and daily. Um, mm -hmm. But I think we're like, if I can say it, I'm 42. Are we the same age? Yeah, we are. Okay, cool. Yeah. So very similar uh, time frames of like growing up, I feel like um, maybe our parents were hip to the same kind of vibe of like, um, not wanting the shackles of their experience kind of put on us and kind of encouraging that very creative, you know, vibe. Um, my parent, my mom was very big about that. She was, uh, she was very creative growing up and, uh, was told that, you know, it would be hard for her to make money at it. And so when it came yeah. to me, she was like, I'm not, I'm not going to perpetuate that for you. So, oh, I mean, my parents definitely tried to perpetuate that for me, but oh, uh, yeah, yeah, but I, but I have, I rebelled and it just made me double down. <laughs> oh, that's cool. <laughs> so it's, it was weird. Like they always encouraged it. But then by the time I was like later on in high school, it was like not encouraged because it was like leading me down an alternative lifestyle path uh, and wouldn't be a serious career and this and that. So it was more just like, you know, you should join the army, get some discipline. And I was like, hell no. <laughs> You, you know, you, you made me <laughs> like how I am. So oh, here that, I am. That is similar because I will say that my, my parents, when it finally turned to tattooing, um, were, were kind of, I, I think it was more, they were afraid, honestly. I think it yeah. was, they, you know, that's not a prescript that they could track and they could see and they could yep. predict. And so that that prediction was lost once I finally went after um, art in a very, I think, uh, the way a real artist does, which is very grassroots, very risking, uh, you know, getting, all in. Yeah. <laughs> failure is really big in it. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you were uh, a couple, a couple years into college, you said, before you got your apprenticeship. What did that? Yep. What did that look like? Were you offered one or did you go in pursuit of it? I had been pursuing an apprenticeship since high school, since I was like a junior, I think. And um, I guess I was too young for the people I approached to take me seriously, even though I, I was the most serious person they probably ever talked to that they just didn't know it because I'm it, it was masked behind, you know, a, a high school baby face <laughs> and a high school aged kid. But I was deadly serious about it. So, um, but like, yeah, so like no one would take me serious. And then finally, um, I approached this dude, um, in, in my town who had a shop and, um, and he ran apprenticeships on a pay method. So it's just like, if you can pay me $3,000, I will give you six months of, instru uh, of instruction. You know, it was like private one-on-one -on -one tutoring. It, it wasn't a tattoo school, but it was very school-like in that approach of like, you pay your tuition, you get these classes from me one-on-one. -on -one. That's your apprenticeship. So structured um, with a time limit. And um, in the meantime, also being the shop, you know, uh, chore person of course so there was that aspect as well but it was it was paid and it was structured and so i in art school i, I was already paying 
I was paying my own way through art school. I, I didn't have any family or, you know, savings or, or any help. It was me working a crappy dishwashing job and cleaning houses um, and um, applying for federal student aid, which I got a bunch of um, because I gotcha. didn't have any family help or support behind me. So um, where so basically I didn't have any money to pay this guy the $3,000. So I, I had to scrape together like my friends helped me out. It was really cool, like DIY punk rock vibe of like helping me get this like three grand <laughs> like selling stuff like selling old speakers and just like you know just like some That's kind really of hood cool. yeah some kind of hood shit but um you know we but i was able to scrape together enough money and um show the dude how serious i was and i think i actually didn't have the full amount but he still let me do it anyway because he saw that i was serious and i was working towards it while also being in art school full-time wow so um how did you and while, um, while also working part time, you know, as a as a crappy dishwasher and house cleaning person. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's how that happened. Did you have a portfolio that you showed him like? Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, definitely. I mean, because I, I was already in art school and I was in like a special arts program in high school that um, catered to like the creative kids. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, no, I mean, I mean, I had a had a portfolio of like fairly serious work for that age group, you know, of yeah. course I would look at it now and not think it's anything, but like for that age group, it, it, it was a serious portfolio. And, um, I had applied to all kinds of art colleges with it. So it needed to be kind of serious. Um, and so that was impressive enough for him, I guess. And yeah, so he took me on and I paid what I could, um, and worked at the shop while also that, going to school. That was the day of slides. When you had to like, yep. did you, did you have to make slides? Yeah, I had slides. Yeah, yeah, of course. It's intense. Like there's a whole way you photograph your artwork too, like in order to I get know. a good slide. It's dope. I, <laughs> I, I, I uh, didn't think I'd feel this old this quickly um, <laughs> as far as technology. Um, yeah. So you uh, paid, was there any contra contractual kind of stuff Did you know, you have to sign anything or was it just word of mouth promise? Yeah, I think it was just like a gentleman's agreement. I don't remember any paperwork. I got um, you. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was just like a gentleman's agreement. You know, th this is like small town Connecticut. So yeah. like the suburbs of Connecticut. So it's, you know, I, I it it it's a more like low key, like personable vibe, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I I uh, I think whatever feels right. I mean, people ask all the time, like, you know, what, what's the best thing, but I do think, uh, you know, you've, you were talking a lot about, um, you know, just recognizing the passion. And like I said, at the top, I do think that over time and experiencing you, I have grown to respect your intensity about the things that you care about. And it's very evident. And, you know, the, I think sometimes today we've kind of lost connection with that, like internal gauge, of a situation like people want all this you know all these safety nets for for situations that you know back in our time like you said punk rock it was more of like does it does it feel good because if it doesn't feel good then leave <laughs> yeah you yeah, know definitely. things were looser and, back then especially in, in a tattoo world for sure yeah well and i do think it helped you know maybe you know in the ways that freaked out our parents but it helped inform the art in a lot of ways because um you know, there was 
we were kind of being uh uh encouraged to listen deep and deeper and like go into those darker places and explore and and kind of ferret out uh what was right for us in a lot of ways um and there was a rebellion i i definitely had that with my family yeah <laughs> but yeah, mine was huge <laughs> yeah oh, mine was pretty radical um and it wasn't even involving art it was it was radical on a whole other level but that's a that's another podcast i've already recorded <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah uh so so uh what was the curricula like like you said it was structured and it was over 6 months like what were the things you know apart from cleaning the studio what was some of the things that you had to actually show and master and and tackle Well yeah so well, I guess to back up a tiny bit, my mentor's name was Mark Savakis. He owned okay. Tattoo International in Wallingford, Connecticut. Wonderful. Um, yeah, he he was a small he he was a successful like small town you know business owner. He studied under I think partly Bob Roberts out in California, who was like a big name from an older generation of tattooers. Hopefully, some people recognize that name. But um, mm -hmm. but yeah, so he you know he had this like super like 80s kind of like mentality you know like he was like like he came up in the 70s and 80s so um um the it was, it was a very traditional apprenticeship to, to get back to your question it was based on that just like old school tattooing mentality um and so it was making your own needles it was scrubbing tubes it was making your own coil machine um so there were kind of like he would spend time with me like one day a week going through all these topics like you know one one week or two weeks was like building my own my own coil machine from parts you know so he so he got all the parts for me and it was like all right we're gonna we're, we're gonna put this thing together and then he showed me how to make needles with a little homemade jig you know there weren't even like pre-made need needle jigs back then oh, wow, those were yeah. just starting to hit the market like a few years into i think my tattooing so wow. you 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 were like folding up a little piece of tin foil and kind of like spreading the needles to make your mags with a little piece of tin foil. And then like these jigs started to come out like shortly after. And I was like, Oh man, this, this got so much easier, you know? Um, so yeah, there was needle making there, there was flash drawing was one topic. And so I, I kind of copied a, uh, did a, did a master copy, so to speak of, uh, I think some, uh, it was either Lyle Tuttle or, it might have been Hardy or I can't remember who it was, but it was one of the legends. And mm -hmm. I basically just like copied their design, but colored them in my way and tried to add a little more of that like new school 90s, late, late 90s flair. That was, you know, like that's what I was into back then was like that first wave of new school tattooing. And then like things were more like bubbly and dimensional and like more like graffiti colored, you know. So um, I tried to add that into that flash that I did. Um, yeah. So, so there, there was that and then just like shop chores and like what needs to be done to run a tattoo shop, um, running an ultrasonic in an, in, in an autoclave, you know, um, that, that was a little, so like learning how to operate the autoclave properly and all that stuff. Uh, and then it was tattooing, you know, fruit, <laughs> tattooing an orange peel, you know, like an orange, um, I, although I had heard of like getting like a pig's foot or something from, from a butcher, but we, we didn't do that. We just, he, he just had me tattoo an orange and, and then I went to skin. <laughs> right on. So, 
Yeah, I was just kind of divide into those main main topics, really. I love orange tattooing day. Um, it, the whole room just smells of citrus. It's so exactly, nice. Exactly. Yeah, it's like <laughs> natural fragrance. And just so people know, um, uh, that is a a very uplifting scent. Just like as far as emotional kind of thing, it it like energizes and yeah, I'm, I'm woo 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 about smells. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true though. Yeah. It's, it's, like a citrus smell is like it's it's very crisp and just like i don't know it just like gets you going (laughs) yeah and i would think that um that would that would override uh or you know scale above a pig's foot any day (laughs) (laughs) you know just tattooing something that could give you that energy and that 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 excitement about it it's not anywhere near neither would be a pig's foot really because it's you know it's it's dead flesh and it's different flesh cold and clammy (laughs) yeah yeah um very very cool um what were did you did anything like really surprise you because i i it's a whole other animal to like go from art to tattooing and and all of these things like was anything like really um since you were learning art and and painting going into tattooing were there things that conflicted or that you felt you know like you had a lot of like whoa this is different uh just i mean there there's the human interaction aspect of it you know and i'm i've always been like a shy kind of socially anxious person i just like feel deep anxiety around like crowds of people and you know just very shy in general um keep to myself mostly but uh so just having to open up as a person and deal with just the interpersonal a- aspects of it, people, you know, that's intimidating. It was back then at least. So that was huge. Cause like when you're painting and you, you know, you, you just be in, in your own little world yeah, and, and you can control everything. So, um, did your mentor do anything to like, try to, you know, get you out or was there any like, uh, things that were put before you to kind of test those, uh, boundaries for you? Oh, I mean, he had me like handle a few clients, you know, just in a really like easy way. But then it was, he, he just like gave me a swift kick to the ass and was like, all right, you're doing your first walk-in tattoo strap up, you know, like, and I was like, ah, shit, this is scary (laughs) as hell. But I mean, it, it, it honestly, like it kind of, I don't, I don't blame him for that approach. It's, it's like you have to either sink or swim at some point. You you just have to get over yourself and do it. And so, yeah, I, I did this really probably in in hindsight poorly done little script script writing tattoo. That was your first. Yeah, my first real uh, client tattoo. I, I had done some some apprentice tattoos on on friends. Got you. Got but you. At, the at ones one that point, helped you. Was a, what? <laughs> the ones that helped you get to the apprenticeship is yep yep i all yeah i owed all of them so i was paying back those debts yeah no that's the and those friends are man they're for life usually um and they're like oh my god and then when you see the tattoo it's a that whole uh oh my god do you want me to fix that and they're like no how dare (laughs) like like, Uh this is this is ogu (laughs) it's a piece of history at that point yeah, man. Like I kind of like collecting them now. I I have only had a couple um apprenticeship tries under my like mentoring people. Um but the uh the first tattoos I really like submitting myself to as a as a mentor. I think it's um I wouldn't I wouldn't want to teach you if I wasn't willing to 
let you tattoo me. So yeah. Were you um were you asked to tattoo yourself at all? Just out of curiosity. Nope. That was never a thing. So I, I never tattooed myself until I met a bunch of years into my career when I was like a good tattooer. So I, I have a good tattoo from myself. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Same. I, I was told in the beginning, no, you don't want to do that. That hurts really badly. And I was like, what? I wax myself. It, it cannot be worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I did wait um, a long time because uh, it, it just became apparent to me that I probably wouldn't stop. Like I would, you know, I would use up skin that I might otherwise want to withhold for other people. And I was seeing this huge community of, you know, things opening up in front of me that was really cool. And I was like, well, I could, I could fill up all my skin with my stuff, but that's, I, I want to collect other people. So I'm going to yeah. reserve it. Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. Um, so, uh, let's see, uh, the, I want you to know, um, just off the top that, uh, I consider, uh, a reserve personality to be wise. Um, people mm-hmm. are very, uh, precarious, more people, more problems kind of thing. Um, I think that yeah. there, I tend to go the other direction of just being super loud because I mean, both I, I, it's precarious for me because I'll probably be the first person who's attacked, but at the same time, if it's too quiet, people are like, where's Amy? Where'd she go? And I'm hoping that people will find at least my dead body before my cats eat my eyelids off. So that's, that's kind of the philosophy that I have. Yeah. Cause like, if you be super loud, people are going to be like, where, where'd she go? Wait a minute. And then they'll look around. But I do see that um, having a reserve of person to be wise, because you're not just giving your energy out frivolously to people. And I think that demands a lot of respect, too. So, you know, I don't know if you know that as a as a, you know, outside perspective. I think it's cool. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I also with people like you, it's kind of like, um, you know, you earn your place with them. You know, if you get a smile, you get a, you know, like, you know, just something that opens, it, it feels like it was earned and you did something cool. So I do think that that's really great. And, uh, you know, there's, there's very little, um, I mean, you're not playing into the, you know, the, all all the masquerade and all of the games. So I, I think that that's really awesome. Um, I, I enjoy it. <laughs> well, you know, if it, for quieter people, they're usually more observant, right? Because you're either like outputting the energy or you're receiving it as an observer. So it's like yes. one or the other. So if you're quiet, you're receiving and you're observing. So, um, you know, you can Absolutely. build up a lot of knowledge and insight just just observing and not having to be the center of it. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I, I played that um, realm for a, a long time and I found it very beneficial, especially during early days of like dating. Now I will say I, I wasn't um, at least that I could tell anybody that anybody was interested in, in that realm, but it was so nice to like watch all of my girlfriends, like you know, experience the dating realm and all of the nuances to it. And to just sit back and observe and be like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm taking all these notes. Yeah. This is great. <laughs> it, it helped a lot to be a wallflower 
in that time. I, I don't think that it would have benefited me had I'd been like playing the field when they were, it, it seemed like it was a lot of mess. Um, <laughs> so. I mean, yeah, at, at a young age, I'm sure, I'm sure it was a mess because that's just what it is. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. And um, art was always there for me too, of like a creative expression. I went to an art centered high school as well. So it was very focused within, you know, the professional pursuit and all of that. So it was, it was great. Um, definitely recommend that in uh, early education, you know, so you have your kid that's uh, the focused around a, a passion or a pursuit, just give them, give it to them because it'll distract them when it's most needed. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> awesome. Well, and so you did flash, you put your own, I, the nineties were very colorful. So of course you're going to add more of that. Um, what was, uh, I guess, what was the landscape of tattooing? Was this one of few tattoo shops in the area? Like, and I thank you for announcing your mentor. Sometimes I don't push that because I never know if that's a, yeah, like it could have been a bad thing, but yeah, yeah no, <laughs> yeah, no. Mark was super cool to me. He was like, I mean, he, he was like a typical old school shop owner. Like he was, he could be rigid and then, you know, just like all the stuff that comes with that, but he, he was super cool to me. So yeah, I definitely wanted to shout him out for sure. Um, and he, he, he totally understood like when I had outgrown that shop and needed to go to a more like custom, like big name shop with like bigger known artists to like continue the next phase of my learning like he had taught me all he could and um i needed the next phase he he was sad and like he like didn't want it to happen but he like begrudgingly you know did a very cool thing I was like all right i give you my blessing to leave and go to my competition basically which <laughs> i will forever respect and you know and, and admire him for that you know big boy move yeah because he could have been real real shitty to me in that moment and tried you know tried to hold me down, but he saw the writing on the wall and I just needed the next phase. Yeah. That's very, very cool. Well, how did you, yeah. How did you, was there a lot of travel at that point? Did you, what, what was going on at that point? Cause I took a hiatus in my time. I started in like 2004 and then I stopped for a while and then came back at like 2009, 10 ish. So okay. there was a huge gap in my knowledge of like what the tattoo industry was like. It was, it was starting to pop off. I mean, that to me, I mean, probably everyone feels this way about the era they started in, but for me, like that era of tattooing, like the early two thousands, the, the late nineties into the first decade of the two thousands, like things were popping off. It was like my whole generation of people was starting to get into it. And we were, we were raised in a, in a more like educated environment we, we, we weren't coming to tattooing through some seedy underworld you know not to knock on on anyone from a prior tattooing generation who, who did that but just to say like it was changing and things were coming more from an art school type of mm -hmm. uh background getting into tattooing and so um the art was just exploding in those years when i started so yeah and, and but at, at the same time there weren't seventeen thousand shops in every town too yeah so that's true. You, it, I really hit tattooing at a very fortunate, um, good time for what I was doing because I had a lot of art knowledge and some art, some artistic skill and could excel quickly, um, at different styles of tattooing that looked impressive in those days compared to what was around. And then there, and then there wasn't tons of competition, you know, cause there were, there were only a few shops. So 
it was yeah. like it was like the right place right time for me yeah i i call it the um you know having not really experienced it on the tail end i kind of did <clears throat> took a sip of my my tea and that didn't work out as i had planned <laughs> excuse me um i call it the renaissance of tattooing almost like it it seemed like that was when this fusion of um like kind of artistic minds kind of entered in and society was seeing it differently and there was a a huge investigation in how to make better machines and expand the color palettes and yeah you know how to fuse all those things i too i think came in you know when i first came in it was very old school and i was like this is really weird and you know it was in a and it was in a biker shop in kentucky and then when i came back it was in maryland and and it was it was a lot more artful and there was um tattoo society magazine and um there was more publications were coming out and people were really talking about it in different ways i i i learned because i was very ignorant i was more of the art school kid that knew about you know impressionists and you know art history and things like that i learned that there was such a history of tattooing that i was not privy to that that had been going on but i was I was very raw in my knowledge there. And for me, it was like, well, I I just want to do this. Like, I just want to do this. I don't understand why I have to, (laughs) why I have to be grounded in such, uh, such things. But now I've realized that the history of it um, is power, you know, like knowing how to um, make needles, how to make your machines, how to work those things. Um, they very much so widen the amount that you're able to give your client and uh you know yeah. that you can nerd out about it forever and people when they when they realize there's so much more behind something the depth of which you know they're getting the value of what they're getting increases and then they're like wow man you know i i'm sitting with somebody who not only knows how to put on a tattoo but knows how to make the needle that they're putting it on with and all of this other aspect. And I know that, you know, in recent years, you know, just kind of skipping ahead, you know, we've been investigating the pigments and things like that, that have been happening. You know, a recent yeah. post of yours is about the oranges. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. these are things that, you know, once we started birthing all this stuff, as you said, there wasn't as many tattoo shops. There also wasn't as many production companies of, of the, the tools and the things that we used. And yeah. now we've kind of lost touch a little bit with the, you know, integrity of the the elements to which we use. And that's been a, that's been a kind of a hardship lately. Yeah. Yeah. For, for, for a lot of tattooers, that's the case. And then that whole scene is like splitting off and becoming its own little niche, like genre of people yeah. who still make machines, who still do X, Y, Z. So it's like when digital photography came out, like film photography didn't die. It became this separate little secluded, like um, smaller, like niche, you know, within photography of like, okay, okay. Those are like the fine art kids. So now there's like the people who like are more into the history and the the people who still make coil machines and all that. It's, it's just like, it's still there, but like, but yeah, for like most of us, you know, we're not at, you know immersed in that little niche anymore whereas that used to be all that there was but now it's just this little side thing which is 
I, I, I also kind of like lament that fact, you know, in, in the same way you just did, but you know, it, it just is what it is, I guess. It's just the evolution of humans. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I'm happy that people like you are kind of still influencing it and asking questions. I, I know that one of my, um, my friends, uh, Jake Kirk, he, he's very interested about the pigments and, uh, and about the products and it, one, it's encouraged him to start making his own products with certain independent companies. So that's, that's a route you can take, but also he, uh, you know, he, he's asking of these companies and, and kind of putting them under the hot seat and being like, Hey dude, what's up? You know, like what's going on with your pigments, what's going into them. And I think with enough people who are, um, you know, a, a big thing about all of this stuff is accountability. If people are not held accountable, they're, they're going to just run rough shot. And I, I think it's great that people like you are still asking questions and, you know, still holding firm in this industry in a big way. Um, because that those are, those are going to be the people that, that keep it together. Uh, it's a lot to ask, but you know, it's, well, yeah, I just want to give back at this point. And then now that yeah. you know, we've discussed how old I am, been tattooing for 25 years, it's like, now it's time <laughs> to give back. Like that's the phase. Yeah. Yeah. I want to try to leave it better than I found it or just keep it from getting too crappy, to be honest. <laughs> it's so, yeah. it's so commercialized. It's like such a different thing now. So yeah. I, I just want to try to live by my values and impart some of those values, maybe, maybe to other people, because I feel like some of the good values of tattooing are, are getting drowned out more or getting quieter. Yeah. Uh, I mean, can you expand upon that a little bit more? Yeah. Um. Everything's just like flashy marketing, promotion, TV, celeb status, like all, all that stuff. It's, it's a very shallow pop culture phenomenon nowadays compared to what it used to be. It used to be like DIY underground um, artisans and craftspeople. And then when I got into it, like the real like fine art side of things came into it. Um, so it was like DIY artists and craftspeople plus like art knowledge, which was like amazing right. uh, to have that combo. And now it feels like that's starting to be superseded or drowned out more and more by just like your like social media appearance and have being flashy or just being like being a celeb influencer, just all that kind of like cultural mentality i guess is is way more prevalent in tattooing now than it used to be and then on the like economic side of it like all these companies like selling out to huge chinese conglomerates like who are just buying up companies um and so like half of tattooing now is owned by like a giant chinese corporation which i don't have anything against chinese i'm just saying like that's that's who owns it now so it's just weird Okay, Apprenticeship Diary listeners, I uh, am replacing today's advertisements with a request. Uh, I have a dear friend that is, I mean, there's no other way to put it. Um, I, he's kind of going through a mental breakdown and he took off. Uh, we don't know what is happening with him, but he happens to be somebody that I've shouted out on the podcast a few times. Uh, he's brilliant. He does incredible services, but as it stands right now, EdenHealthMD.com has been taken down. My friend John Simmons is missing, 
and uh, I'll be posting regular pictures of him on my stories so that you all have a image of what he looks like. But essentially, guys, uh, he has gone missing, and uh, I uh, I need your help and your prayers for him uh, to come back, and uh, if nothing else, for God's will to be done, and for the people who are left to have to manage this, uh, this state of events to do so and find peace. Uh, I'm really pulling for my friend. He's such a lovely human, and uh, this, has been a, this has been a weird time. So um, I, I do want to add that he does not want to be found. Uh, it's that kind of mental crisis. So uh, I wouldn't approach him if you see him. I would just simply call the authorities, uh, 911, and report the sighting because, you know, with these kind of situations, you, you just never know what somebody's capable of. Uh, I, I could never imagine my friend ever daring or deeming to hurt anyone, but just just call it in if, if you could. That would be the safest bet for everybody. Put out prayers, put up feelers, keep your eyes peeled for John Simmons. He's got a fabulous British accent uh, that I uh, actually had the pleasure of recording. So if you wanted to listen to him, it's actually a really good podcast episode. And again, Nick, I'm sorry to pull some attention away from your episode. I hope you don't mind. Uh, But his are called Upstream and Downstream, John's. And that's how you can hear his voice and know what he sounded like. And I'm, I'm very blessed that I got his recording. Uh, so many things that were awesome were said. And um, yeah, and, and he's also multilingual. So he knows how to speak fluent Spanish and German. So he's a very multifaceted human. And uh, I hope that he gets to continue to give the world those amazing gifts so pray for John for me if you could, you know, just just put a little feeler out and uh, help convict his soul, okay? I love you all, and I thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's not diversified enough for it to have, um, you know, a, a, nice, a nice competitive, you know, like stance in that way, because the competition kind of keeps things integral, but it's all in one place then you know a lot of a lot of stuff can happen plus in china i mean i i i personally have no no qualms about saying that they um the way that they run their workforce is very abusive and yeah you know like um their factories i can't imagine are are a place that uh you know i've gotten dresses from them about three three of them two out of three might fit uh one definitely doesn't and and i've i've tried to like work with it and it's it's just that you you can only you can only expect so much from people who are being really worked overworked you know ill-treated and all of this stuff and it's just not not something that you can really hope to get a lot of quality out of honestly so i i i do feel that feel you there and I also really love, you know, when you go to your website, you really talk about helping people brand themselves and like 
you know, illustrating what they want to be seen as and, you know, kind of getting into the, the own, their illustration of their concepts and really diving deep into those things. And, you know, that's the kind of gift that I think you can give when you like to do custom work where it's not kitsch and it's not these replicated ideas that it's like a million, you know, like you just see a million of the same thing over and over again. And, um, I love that about how, how you work. Cause I, I feel that too. I, I probably could make more money if I, you know, did the other, but I don't, I never did it for the money. So yeah. <laughs> I did it cause I loved it. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the era of tattooing that you and I started in was still very focused on like the customer's idea. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, how do I illustrate your idea? Um, and then it started to turn into like, I'm the artist and here's my work and you get what I want, you know? So that's, that, that's a whole other mentality, which if everyone's happy and the customer is happy with that, then great. Like, I, I don't, I don't have a problem with it, but it's just like the era that I came up in and what I am used to is, um, interpreting and collaborating with the client and seeing what their idea is and okay, how, how can I make that happen with, within the parameters that they set? Um, as opposed to the other way around is like me just like saying like, here's the one specific hyper specialized work that I do. And I will only do this. So don't bother coming to me if you don't want this exact thing, Yeah, which is more the norm now. And that's better for promotion and all the things I was just talking about like a minute ago, you know, it's, so it's, it's a lot harder to market yourself in today's tattoo world. Um, when you're doing a variety of genres or like, a you know, trying to like work with, customers ideas as opposed to just having your one like brand you know your very recognizable like specialty brand that where 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 every tattoo looks kind of the same well and you know i think that um you know just to just to expand upon that i think people do themselves a disservice because i i belong to some boards on facebook of tattoo boards and i i look at how people think about their clients and the, the common, the common uh, problems or challenges that people have with their clients. And I, it just amazes me because, you know, of course you're going to run into those issues when you've made it a very superficial thing, but you get to heal yourself. I think a little bit when you are willing to participate with a client and collaborate with them to a common end and then I really don't feel like I run into these problems that these people do mm-hmm. where they're just like, I don't understand why they're not just willing to let me put what I want on them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah right. And that's a very like taken out of context that, that, that sounds very odd. <laughs> yeah. It's like, dude, are you listening to yourself? Like is trust hard to get? Yes. Very. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, should you feel this is a blessing and a gift that you get to, uh, you know, have that, that each bit of skin that you are honored to be put before you to work on, should you see it that way? Absolutely. I do not understand why you don't. And that might be part of your issue. Um, yeah, you know, I do think that that's happening. Um, with, Within that conversation, you said you want to give back. Um, have you apprenticed people and and how does your apprenticeships look if you do? I have never had an apprentice. Um, my level of uh, 
expectation I'm afraid to put on somebody. And I just feel like it's like having a second, you know, boyfriend or girlfriend, basically. Mm -hmm. um, it, it Like that relationship needs to be intense for it to really work and for this person to succeed. And then that's so that's an emotional, mental and time and life commitment for, you know, up to a couple years, potentially that I just I don't have the energy for that. So what I do have the energy for in terms of like giving back and helping and teaching is all, all the stuff I already do, like seminars, mm -hmm. workshops, like stuff like this right here. So um, just just trying to be like an educator in general for people who want it rather than like in a specific like one on one like mentorship sense, because that's a very demanding relationship and I would be demanding of that person. And I just right. I, I don't know, <laughs> it, it would be tough. Well, I will admit that I did um I did listen to uh the Artful Dollar uh podcast that you did. It was really good. Um oh, thanks. Yeah, and I know that you're you're interested in those things. Uh if I can, you know, if you ever do broach the idea of doing this, um, because I know for myself that uh you would probably one of few people, uh, you know, Jeff Gogoy would be one, but you know, I feel like your level of mentorship would be for a seasoned professional that would probably pay extra to get next level education and mentorship. Yeah, so, I think that's where I'm at for sure. Yeah. And I'm actually developing more of that. On my, I'm going to start to offer that on my website and, you know, for people who are already seasoned tattooers can sign up and like, how do we work together for a very limited time span, not like an apprenticeship, but like, right. like, you know, like a workshop style thing of how do we work together to get you where you want to go? You yeah, know? no, I think that's, that's, that's where you're at. Uh, definitely. And, um, let me know when you do it. Cause I'm, I'm excited about that. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. That, that might be uh, something I want to dive more into. Cause I really do love, uh, your work and, um, just conceptually how you put things together and um your background is so similar to mine as far as like um uh, you know the the painting background I know the one thing that I struggled with with tattooing was because when I was in painting school they they asked you to never use black or pigments right from the tube and that was a conflict when I came into it where they were like oh you got more black more black more black yeah. and I was like what the hell is this yeah, I was well, never I mean, encouraged. <laughs> yeah, it's you know like each each medium has its own rules, its own things that you know, make make it successful for that medium, and so not everything crosses over. So yeah, that's definitely like a big thing with tattooing is understanding tattooing, you know, and then if you understand painting on top of tattooing, then you can see where the Venn diagram overlaps and where mm -hmm. it doesn't overlap. <laughs> Yep. So yeah, no, and and that's what you taught recently at Paradise was, uh, you know, your idea of overlapping, you know, uh, understandings and things like that. It helped me recently. I I will let you know that I have a client with very warm skin. She's basically a freckle, um, mm -hmm. like endlessly, and uh, she was having a lot of problems in this tattoo that she had uh, previously done, and uh, I I put a lot of blues over a certain blacks that she had already and it's it made 
the things that we wanted to come forward more, more pop out. And it really helped balance her skin a little bit because everything that was blue and her, her skin got really dark because of that, that orange that was just so much in her skin. So I left certain blacks alone and then turned up the blue and certain things that I really wanted to push forward and get that black, black. Um, and it, and it helped a lot. She was like, Oh my God, you're a genius. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm just color theory, (laughs) but yeah, 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 it was really awesome. So I'm definitely interested more and more in that because, uh, it's very similar. My background's in hair as well. And there's a lot of hair theory. That's very, very similar. Um, because, uh, knowing certain things about how hair lifts and how to deposit color in hair and, that kind of color theory that you're looking at when you're, you're judging pigments and tones and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I, I geek out about that. That's stuff that I really appreciated when you were coming on the scene and and doing your lectures. I never took any of them, I will say, um, because I'm a little bit more slapdash, but I think that's why I would be uh, interested mm-hmm. now in, in doing more with you is because I, I think that I'm a little too that way. Uh-huh. <laughs> and maybe you should rein it in a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm definitely more of a structured, uh, uh, type of approach, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, fantastic. So, uh, let me see here. I'm going back to, so in the world of tattooing, if you were to, you know, think about it, how do you think the education of it should go? Uh, Because we're in this weird phase right now where you have people who are teaching themselves. There's lots of online courses. There's tattoo schools. There's apprenticeship. Um, Is there something that you see as like a vision for that? Um, I think for me, I, I would rather see it be reverse engineered based on outcomes. So if any of those things you listed um, produces an amazing tattooer who appreciates the craft and is doing it the right way, then I, it doesn't matter how they got in. If they're here and doing it the right way and being awesome, then welcome. You know, if they're here and like leaving a lot to be desired, then um, maybe we need to go back and reassess how you got into it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or just look inside yourself and who you are and your values as a person. But I mean, for me and like my um, apprenticeship experience, I had a very easy, privileged apprenticeship experience. And I feel like a lot of people have nightmare apprenticeships. And so I'm, I'm sure you've heard some of those stories on your on your podcast. But I'm here to say, like, it can be a smooth, positive, amazing experience as well. Like, be be open to that as well. It doesn't have to be suffering a lot. Um, so, you know, we all need to draw the line where wherever it feels right for ourselves but um yeah no I'm, I'm very thankful and grateful for like my extremely easy privileged like right place right time like uh, upbringing into into tattooing um i feel like i was very very fortunate and that's not what a lot of people experience unfortunately um but just to put it out there like it can be that way and don't be afraid to pay for something because it holds both parties accountable like yeah. I feel like there's a purist attitude of like, oh, like you shouldn't charge for an apprenticeship. That's bullshit or you know, whatever. But um, money is a, an amazing lubricator of human interactions. It holds both. It helps to hold both parties accountable and both people, both parties tend to take things way more seriously when money changed hands, just because that's a cultural, you know, 
value of capitalism in the society we live in. It's like money makes things real and money makes people be serious. So um, don't be afraid to pay for an apprenticeship and hold the mentor accountable and vice versa. And just make sure it's a smooth running relationship and interaction. Like to me, there's nothing wrong with that. So no, I agree. Um, well, and it's the idea of money too. Like it's just, it's just our time. It's like a, a symbol for our energy and our, and yes. our time and our, all of that. So, you know, I definitely agree with you when I was going into it the first, uh, well, not the, the second time, uh, John was asking me to pay and then, because he didn't need me. Um, that was really the case of it. He didn't need a shop lackey. He had a piercer and he had a front end person and he didn't need me. So he was mm-hmm. going to ask me to pay for it. And it was around the same amount, I think like 3000 and it was, a, it was a time period. It was like 2008 ish around where the crash had just happened, the financial mm-hmm. crash and yeah. nobody was giving out loans. Nobody was doing anything. So I was like, well, I value that. Um, you know, I've paid for my education in a lot of different ways. Um, but I don't got the money. So I'm just going to have to like save up and come back to you when I do. I never stopped, uh, staying in front of him. So when it came time where his piercer got fired and his, his front end person left, he was like, Hey, uh, do you want to work for it instead? And I was like, yeah, dude, uh, I will totally work for free and, mm-hmm. and do this. But yeah, it's, a. Uh, it's one of those things that it's either going to be that you pay outright and you get somebody's attention who otherwise doesn't need to give anything like that to you, or, you know, you're facilitating something for them that they would otherwise have to pay for anyway. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I like that exchange. And like I said, in the beginning, it's really about what it, what makes sense to you. And I do think you hit the nail on, on something very important. Know your value systems very much so before you go into this, because if you don't know your, your boundaries or your hard lines, um, I do think that that's where you, you will get taken advantage of. And it, it really doesn't matter if you go into tattooing or anything. Um, that that will be the case because you are yeah. in a phase of life where that's the education that you need is to learn your boundaries. Yeah. And that's not going to be fun in the tattoo <laughs> realm. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, there's some <laughs> there's some goons here, so. Oh dude, it's it's a it's a smattering. I still get I still get, you know, some some flavorful and colorful clients and I'm just <laughs> like, wow, man, like uh, I'm, I'm really excited to experience you. <laughs> I don't think that there's any other space that I would get to experience this without having to be more involved in whatever's going on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. But I get to be this right here and now, and this is pretty cool. <laughs> yep. It's, it, um, it's a good serving size. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, what was, so you did your first tattoo was script. Um, how, well, how... no, that was my first paying customer paying customer okay yes yes what was the first one do you remember on your friend it was a cartoon character actually that he had drawn so it wasn't even my art um and we and we never even finished it 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 got like halfway done and and then he he just never got it finished we were we were on to other things and um went our separate ways in life eventually so yeah who, who knows what happened to that if it's covered or if it's still there but um I started out that way and then kind of moved to doing my own kind of like cartoony, simpler designs and then experimented a few months in to tattooing with some realism effects and then 
that just blew it wide open for me was like oh, okay like now it's starting to resemble the art i was making off of skin and then it just like had an absolute like I don't, I don't know uh just paradigm shift of like okay now i'm gonna try this now i'm gonna try this now i'm gonna try this and so um yeah that was awesome and so that was like phase two of my learning really was once those mental um floodgates opened so then it was like okay i've kind of outgrown this like more walk-in based kind of traditional street shop um and there was this really custom like appointment based um like nationally renowned shop a few towns over and i was like all right let me try to work there got you got you and and what did you when you made that transition over what were some of the things that you end up learning about that that working uh i guess system or situation what were things that you had to adopt um well it was it was more like the custom tattoo mentality so like um just designing everything like in the most artistic way possible like just pushing yourself as hard as you can with every tattoo larger scale work so all those dudes at, at that shop were doing like amazing large scale work and so it was just like um learning more complex approaches to drawing stenciling um workflow over multiple sessions it's just just like all of it it's just like um no longer just like basic like get them in get them out kind of walk in tattooing how many years in were you at this point that you transitioned over to that uh, i had actually i had been tattooing i think for like six months honestly okay right so on. first first six months of like real professional tattooing actual clients at the first shop and then just those floodgates open like, like i said artistically mentally technique wise um and then that's awesome. So it was just time to time to make the move. That's awesome. I was kind of uh uh asked to think about those things because I, I right when I started the second time, I I ran into reinventing the tattoo and paradise tattoo gatherings and and all of that stuff for you guys. Um, so that was a concept that was kind of put in my head. So I was in the same shop for 11 years. So I never left and expanded, probably should have. Um, but, but, you know, didn't, uh, I, um, I found that about three years in was when, you know, I was really needing to be told to like, slow down and like separate things. You know, it's a hard thing to like, uh, I think get past this mentality of the finished work, you know, like it, like there's just a want to get it you know, resolved in a lot of ways. And like, yeah, once you realize that the best tattoos really take a lot of time, a lot of saturation, you know, you know, they just, they just do, there's no way around it. Um, and then transitioning into that mindset of like, you know, if we're going after the best here and that's what I'm hoping to deliver to you. And that's what you're asking for. This is what you're going to have to do. That's a, that's like a next level sales kind of pitch, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah for yeah. sure i mean i think my for many tattooers and absolutely for me it's it's a battle with impatience mm -hmm. or like put in a more positive way it's learning patience <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> no totally totally and and just kind of uh uh 
Well, and, and hooking your client onto it too. I think that that's, yeah, uh, getting them to be patient. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I think that's more it for me. It's like, I'm very codependent with people and I, I, I'm a people pleaser. I, I know I'm not alone. Um, but in like mm -hmm. having to sit there and being like, I know that this is taking forever, but there's like, there's reason here and I'm not, I'm not going too slow. I, I assure you, like, this is as fast as it can get in your skin. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, or at least that I can put it in your skin. I would never intentionally slow this down. <laughs> right. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Well, uh, I guess, you know, we're, we're running into a, like an hour of talking to you here. Uh, your time is very valuable. So I guess what is, uh, what are a few people that, that you really admire in the industry, I guess, and that, that have really inspired you along the way that you can shout out? Um, because I think it's, you know, people often feel like, you know, that, you know, they're, they're the people that they admire, you know, like, oh, they're like, oh, and, you know, I'm sure you have people that you really look up to. Yeah, my 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 whole career, and people would probably guess this or already know it. Um, Guy Aitchison has been a massive influence, inspiration, um, collaborator. You know, collaborator, and uh, you know, now I'm pretty sure I, I I could call him a friend. You know, mm -hmm. um, so just from day one, I mean, he he put out reinventing the tattoo like a year or two into my career, and that was that was massive. That that was another huge paradigm shift. It was just like one thing after another just lined up for me perfectly to where I was just like accelerating, um, at a faster and faster pace when I was early on in my career. So him for sure, his work ethic is insane. Um, and he still has a very down to earth approach, even though he's like, you know, one of the OG like tattoo gods at this point, he's still just like a chill dude. And, um, he, he does his best to give back and, do a lot for the tattoo industry still. So um, yeah. that's amazing. So I've, I've always looked up to him and learned a lot from him uh, over the years. And uh, my buddy, Jeff Ensminger here in Austin, you know, we kind of came up together. I moved to Texas from Connecticut to live with him and work with him because um, we were buddies and we got a place together and started tattooing and whatnot. So um, he's always been a cool, like, friend to bounce ideas off of and just um yeah so he's super cool um and my my, my co-owner of art realm tattoo andrew Mattella is just a real cool dude um he does some realism work and he's just a really he's been a really cool business partner to to, to own a business with and so we kind of vibe well together on, on that level and just try to run it more like a co-op style thing where it's um, where it's just, it's, it, it's like a group of artists who all like work in a shared studio space. It's not like, uh, a, a, a super top-down approach, you know, it's just like, we all rent and share this space together and just come and go as we please. And just try to make a nice, like quiet, um, working environment for people to just really focus in on their art and on their clients. So that's really cool. And I'm sorry, yeah. I didn't ask more about that because I, I do have interest in that. How did that come about? Um, you know? um, Andrew started art realm tattoo in 2013 or 14. So, um, yeah, it's been, been around for, for 10 years now, but I, I, I bought into the business, became a co-owner in 2018. 
Um, He was looking to expand, bring in fresh energy and like make it bigger and better than he had made it. And so I I was looking to get into an ownership position and didn't want to honestly do all the work and hassle of starting my own shop from scratch. Um, He was already doing things the way I would have done them anyway. Mm -hmm. I, I had been teaching painting workshops at his shop. He was hosting me for workshops. Um, so I was like, man, I should, you know, we should just like partner up. So that's how that started. Um, I love that. Yeah. And so it's, it's like your typical booth rental setup with our artists, you know, with, with our resident artists. So we don't do percentages. We, we do booth rentals. And so that, that makes it more of like a co-op kind of shared studio space vibe where we all Mm -hmm. each like have our space and, um, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's more of like an appointment only type of like custom art studio vibe. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, and I do think that uh, it's, I, I guess, as long as people have a, a sincere dedication and passion, you can see that in them about what they do and how they do it. And you can bring people together that have a lot of shared integrity about how they want to work and how they want to operate you know, the, that's a, that's a really cool thing. It's not, it's kind of, I mean, to be honest with you, it's a lot of what I'm, I'm wanting myself. I keep asking for, because I'm, I'm where, where you were in 2018 (laughs) right now of like wanting to do like an ownership position kind of thing, but not really wanting to do it all myself, just because I I don't like the idea of that. Um, Yeah. yeah, I like the collaboration. I I don't assume I know everything. Um, it's hard for me to, you know, everybody thinks they're right when they're, when they bring up an idea, you know, you think you are, but I like the pushback of other people. And I like, um, you know, expanding ideas and concepts and, and, you know, bouncing off of different people. And I love that vibe. Uh, even though it's, you know, more challenging at times because everybody's their own entity. Um, yeah, but it's less challenging in a lot of ways because you're not a babysitter. You're not like trying to herd cats, you know, yes. it's just, which is what tattooers are. It's, it's, it's like herding cats. We're all our own little unique special snowflakes on our own, on, on our own special trip <laughs> through life. So trying to yeah. like get trying to like control and wrangle everyone in like a typical shop structure gets exhausting. And that's, then that becomes a full-time job and not, not the tattooing. So I always was an artist and a tattooer before I was a businessman or, or, or or an entrepreneur. So, um, the shop setup we have keeps the focus on the actual tattooing. We don't have to wrangle people, babysit them. Um, so, I I mean, it. it, it has its pros and cons. So, Right on, right on. Um, I love that. Uh, I'm, I'm. I'll pray to, that I, I get a very similar thing in the future. I, I would like that. Um, but that's really, really cool. I really like that. Uh, that you guys uh, came together that way, and uh, that it's worked out really well. I, I will say, I, I was kind of stalking it a little bit and looking at the studio, and I always am late to following everybody. So I followed oh, yeah. Art Realm afterwards the social media part of it. I'm so bad. Uh, so yeah. I'm, I'm now following everyone. <laughs> nice. Um, not, I hope you're not getting blinded by this. Uh, there's like an extreme light hitting my hair that I'm yeah. trying to block. Um, <laughs> but, um, so those are what's next. I mean, you, you've already said a few things. You're trying to develop a, um, 
you co-own a studio. Uh, you do do seminars and travel and all of that. I do know that you're um, investing in more time uh, learning about how to cultivate uh, money and uh, learn about those things in a way that can keep expanding um, you in a, in a really great way, which is, you know, like just kind of understanding that it's about what you can give back in the end. Um, so I know that's really awesome. Um, but you know, what, what's, what's on the horizons, Nick? <laughs> Horizon. Yeah. I was just trying to develop like a mentorship kind of workshop thing that I mentioned earlier, um, where I'm going to offer like one-on-one, um, you know, like kind of workshop style mentorship, not like apprenticeships, um, like a master class kind of thing where, yeah where we take a day or two days or three days and kind of dive into like what this person needs to learn to um, get past whatever plateau they're on. Um, So it could be artistic. It could be technique tattooing wise. So I'm trying to just develop a sort of curriculum or structure for that and hopefully offer that soon on my website. Um, Other than that, I mean, it's just like more of the same, you know, like I'm, I'm trying to paint. I'm always trying to create, I'm trying to make awesome tattoos for people. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm doing more work with the artful dollar. Like you said, uh, mm-hmm. Ryan Roy's project that's, um, dedicated to teaching tattooers and freelancers, you know, how to manage their finances better and how to structure their businesses for future success. So I love yeah, that that's, that's out much there. It. Honestly, that's a, that's a passion of mine. Oh too. yeah. No, that's super needed. I mean, yeah. <laughs> We're good at making money. We're not really good with money. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, it's kind of like Jeff the tattoo Kogue. mentality I was saying before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a Jeff Kogway quote, one of his seminars. He was like, you know, I determined that I'm not really good with money, but I'm going to be good at making it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, along the way, if you can figure out how to uh, be good with it, that's always good because um, we get old and it's, uh, you know, uh, we don't have the stamina physically that we used to. So it's important. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you gotta, you know, how do you want to retire? Do you want to retire? I mean, that, that, that starts to be a thought as you get older. So Absolutely. Uh, that takes planning. It takes, it takes a strategy. So mm-hmm. I like, you know, I'm, I'm on that journey myself doing that for me. And so also trying to help others. Yeah, no, I think it's wonderful. And I'm, I'm really excited for that podcast. I, I, you know, I'll admit it was a little bit of a stalking of you prior to this this conversation that i found his podcast and didn't know about it and i was like oh my god this is so great and this is a conversation that definitely needs to be had in our community and with artists in general so i'm very happy that he's broaching that topic because it needs to be spoken and i i've never really understood why it was not um yeah but you know that was something that i loved about paradise too is that you know, the conversation of, of money and kind of taking away our, um, our feelings, our prejudice against money and our relationship with that and kind of, you know, fixing that a little bit. Uh, cause mm-hmm. you know, sometimes we have these, these preconceived notions and it's really not based in anything real. It's just based in our attitude about it. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's usually based in some kind of childhood trauma mm-hmm. to, to be quite honest but um yeah it's just an energy flow like anything else like money's an energy flow it flows in it flows out so yep. try to harness that try to try Make to it work for you 
Yeah, exactly. To try to make it work for you. So, yeah, yeah. no, and I'm excited to see what you, what you do with it because you're a very integral person. You have a lot of passion towards uh, art, but also animals and, um, you know, people in general. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited, uh, for that because, uh, the more people like you that are, uh, at the helm of a lot of these things, I think that, uh, you know, some heart will come back, <laughs> which is good. Very, yeah, very good. Awesome. Things. Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, I, I was going to say, uh, in terms of, uh, Guy Atchison, you know, a thing that I love about you and him is that you have a lot of passion to creating your own, uh, references. And that is something that I think as an art kid, uh, we kind of learned was that, you know, like not taking, stock images or pre pre-planned pre photos and stuff like making our own photos and um something that i learned about you very early was that you uh you know watch decomposition of animals and things like that mm -hmm. which i think is really cool because it's it's i mean i don't know for me it was like a uh, a conflict with like that that beautiful gore and things like that and you see that a lot in your paintings and you know you 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 keep them like there to analyze and kind of watch and take photos and um guy atchison builds these big weird you know i don't know they're like th like texture based sculptures that he can take pictures of or he'll go out in nature and and both of you source nature so much um I yeah, would... it's just a it's just a fascination with life, you know. Yeah. And obviously, part of life is death and the dying process, but really, it's just a fascination with 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 life, mm -hmm. with existence. So, yeah, um, and just trying to mine that for materials for raw inspiration materials. Yep. Well, yeah, and that's that's one thing that I think uh, for both of you is a huge inspiration is that you um, nature and all its facets and you know how it paints a picture and how you can like you know, pay homage to that and give back to that and analyze it. Really, really cool. And you teach plain air uh, courses. So that's really awesome. Yep. Yeah. Landscape painting in, in nature on location. So yeah. So those, those workshops, I, I do one-on-one -on -one kind of classes with that as well. That's on my website currently that and um, still life oil painting. So mm -hmm. people could go on my uh, wet website, navigate to the store area and then see what kind of workshops I'm currently offering. And, um, they can just book time with me. Like it's just a one-on-one -on -one class. So it's fantastic. I love it. And just one more question before, you know, we, we wrap up and all of that and I'll let you to your day. Um, when you, uh, picture these, these courses, do you see them being tangibly in person? Like people come out you know, they, they take the time to be with you in that space or do you see yes. these being, okay, good. Yeah, no, these are definitely in-person workshops for sure. That's, that's where the best learning occurs. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> awesome. Well, Nick, um, how can people best reach out to you? You said your website, if it comes down to a one-on-one, -on -one, but in terms of tattooing, is it the same? Go to your website. Yeah, website nickbaxter.com. And then my Instagram is burningxhope. Um, people can DM me on there. I'm usually pretty good with re replying to most of those, but um, I usually refer everything through DM. Like eventually, I just try to get it to email because that's way easier yeah. for me to keep track of than DMs. But 
yeah, people can just e- email me through the website or message me on Instagram and uh, we can figure it out. Fantastic. Wow. Thank you so very much for being on here with us. I'm, I'm, I give a shit now. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for doing this. This is an amazing idea. It just, it's really cool. And I think it's with all the people getting into tattooing these days and it's just becoming bigger than ever with so many new tattooers, you know, this is a valuable resource. People need to you know, learn, learn about the apprenticeship process and see what others have gone through and just try to try to progress. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. And, um, you know, I thank you for that. I, I, I agree. And I, I mean, part of my learning has always been about listening to other people's stories and kind of siphoning from there, what feels good for me. So, um, I've always wanted to provide that, uh, for others because, my experience was grassroots, like learning from you guys, like going to conventions and, and seminars and kind of absorbing from that. And I do feel like that is uh, one of the best ways to learn, especially for this job where there's just so many atmospheres to which you tattoo. I mean, you have the convention circuit, you have guest spots, you have, you know, local shops, you have the private studios, like I don't know if there's any one way to teach it, but I think that if you can hear about these things and kind of uh, really decide what is right for you, you know, kind of before you're in it, um, because it takes you once you, once you get started and it's, it's kind of obsession <laughs> Yeah, and it can take a lot, a lot. And I, I want to give people, cause you know, nowadays you don't even have to be a tattoo artist. If you're in art, you, I mean, there's lots of things that you can do aside from this, but if you do this, I do think that you've got to love it and you should love it very much. And yeah, definitely the values need, need to be in the right place. So mm-hmm. yep. I, I, I appreciate that about what, what, you know, what you're doing, you're, you're, you're putting forth the right, you know, the best values. No, <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm, I'm trying, man. Like I'm trying keep praying for me. If, it, if that's good vibes, whatever your, uh, you know, <laughs> whatever your, uh, spiritual convictions are there, but just, uh, I'll, I'll do the same for you as well. And I'll look out for the things that are ahead because, you're definitely somebody that I respect highly in this industry. You've earned it. <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate that very much. Thanks yeah, for having man. me. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. All right. You too. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> right. Bye. Bye. Well, there you have it, folks. That's uh, Nick Baxter's beginning. And Nick, I, I really can't thank you enough. I, I really hope that personally... I, I, I want to get a Texas vibe. Like, that's the first thing I, I really do, you know, not to take away from you again, but like, I, I do want to experience Texas. It's kind of a neat place from what I've understood. And uh, that would be equally awesome, if not more awesome. Uh, just going, it would be more awesome if I went and I did a one-on-one with you. Uh, and I would enjoy that thoroughly. Um, but yeah. There you have it, guys. That's that's the that's the grassroots punk rock passion that you gotta have in order to keep pushing. And for whatever it might seem from the outside, I hope everybody understands that there is such a sincere, burning, burning heart behind all that we do, and uh, we are we are very dedicated professionals and. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Nick's one of 
Nick's one of those guys that you just you can't walk away not respecting. I um I know that's a double negative, but uh, <laughs> you know what I mean. Diary listeners, thank you so much. God bless you all, and thank you so much for your time listening here. Pray for us. Pray for everything. You know, like you know, give gratitude, show up, all of it. Have a powerful week. Thanks for listening. You can find The Apprenticeship Diaries on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our IG is the underscore apprenticeship underscore diaries. If you would like to offer constructive criticism or an interview, drop us an email at theapprenticeshipdiaries at gmail.com. We We look look forward forward to hearing from from our listeners. listeners.